Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. Got new data that Josh just found about the money supply in the United States, and it is absolutely plummeting. So the next question becomes, could this lead to an economic depression? The answer is yes. I've already seen this play out in the 1930s. Let's get right into the chart, right into the data, try to connect some dots here, try to go over some probabilities. First and foremost, here is the chart. We use this on the thumbnail. And look at this. I mean, this is absolutely astonishing. Now, it is true that this line going straight up is a little bit of fake news because there was a component of M2 that got moved into M1. And as you guys know from watching my videos, M1 is a component of M2. So if you if you got if you have one of the metrics from M2 going into M1, it doesn't change M2. It, it's it's still the same. So that this has a lot to do, but it still went parabolic. It just didn't go from call it four trillion up to sixteen trillion. <laughs> it didn't go up by that much, but it went up by let's say twenty five percent. But then look what happened. It continued to go up. I would call that parabolic, but right here in April of 2022, it started to go down and go down fast. Now, we have not seen a move down like this since the Great Depression in the United States as far as a decrease in money supply. I did a whiteboard video on this. I've got the numbers right on the top of my head. In 1934, the M2 money supply went down by 5%. And over the last year in the United States, ditto that. The money supply has gone down by 5%. That was before this report came out. Now, M1, we can access this all the time. But the new data was just added to the M1 number. See, as of yesterday and prior, we didn't have the March number. But now we do. And we can see that in March, M1 went from 19.3 trillion, roughly, down to 18.9. I mean, that is a staggering. I mean, think about that for a moment. That is 300, that's 350 billion, roughly, in one month to go down. So you say, George, why is that such a big deal? I mean, it went up so much. It's good that we've got money coming out of the system. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for there, my friend, because think about all the input costs that have gone up. I mean, basically, let, let's just put this into simple terms that everyone can relate to. What we're talking about is fewer currency units in the system. That means your wages go down, likely. That means unemployment goes up, less wage pressure. Therefore, your wages can stay the same or if not go down, and even in nominal terms, for heaven's sakes. Wow, at the same time, we see all these epic supply constraints with commodities, such as energy. So if this continues at this pace, and we need to get into some nuance here in just a moment, but if this continues at this pace, you're going to see the unemployment rate go up, you're going to see downward pressure on nominal wages, and you know, depending on how this recession plays out and what the government's response to it is, you could see upward pressure continuing with the commodity space 
with energy. So bottom line, your wages are going down, your gas prices, your utility bills are continuing to go up. That's what this chart is saying. Now, if commodity prices come down, I hope they do in a recession, and that would be great because that would give everyone a bit of a reprieve. But this is telling us that there's going to be, if this continues, we'll have to watch it like a hawk, there's going to be downward pressure, even on nominal wages. And if you guys watched the very last video that I did, you remember that real wages are going down, but at least nominal wages are going up. Can you imagine what would happen if nominal wages started to go down while at the same time we have 4 or 5% consumer price inflation? I mean, that is an absolute recipe for disaster. And if you guys aren't following you know, why the uh, dramatic decline in money supply is such a big deal, it's, uh, it's a very easy thought experiment. Let's say right now today we've got $18 trillion circulating in the United States. Let's just say that's the number, okay? Just let's assume for a moment that we woke up tomorrow morning and there was only 2 trillion. What would happen? We go from 18 trillion down to 2 trillion. That would mean that businesses, I mean, literally 50% of the businesses in the United States would go bust. You say, oh, George, well, prices would just, would adjust. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. Over the long run, you're right, they would. But if you have that decline, from 18 to uh, to two in, let's say, six months, getting from A to Z or getting from A to B is basically a Mad Max movie. I mean, that that's where it gets really, really, really ugly. I mean, that's what you see. Or that's what we saw in the Great Depression, the 1930s. Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Got a quick question for you. Are you someone that realizes we are headed straight for an economic recession? maybe even worse. Do you also realize that the government is trying to restrict your freedom, liberty, and privacy on a daily basis? We've all heard in the news lately about central bank digital currencies, and it's not a matter of if we get them, it's simply a matter of when. But although you know we're facing all of these problems, you don't know what to do about it. How do you protect your wealth or grow your wealth when we're dealing with a very volatile economic environment? Or how do you maintain or increase your freedom and privacy when we have this woke Orwellian government that's trying to micromanage your life? Well, fortunately, got some good news for you. I have set up an event that is focused on helping you, the rebel capitalist, find solutions to these problems. It's all set up to help you build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments. That event is Rebel Capitalist Live. It's going to be absolutely incredible. It's in Orlando, May 12th to the 14th. We're going to have speakers like Peter Schiff, Mike Maloney, Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, Brent Johnson, Jeff Snyder, Robert Barnes, just to name a few. So to get more information on how you can attend this incredible event that's going to give you actionable intel that will help you prepare For the rest of 2023 and beyond, go to rebelcapitalistlive.com, and I will see you in Orlando. Now I've got some good news for you, believe it or not, in this video. Let's go over to loans and leases, because we can't just look at M2 money supply. Why is it? And so many people make this mistake, even on Twitter. 
even some gurus that I see, they exclusively focus on M2 money supply and think that that is a representation of the assets on the balance sheet of Americans in aggregate total. But that's not true because you could take your deposits that you have in the bank right now and trade them for a money market fund. And that money market fund takes those currency units and puts them onto the Fed's balance sheet, reverse repo, and poof, they're gone. M2 money supply has gone down. But are you poorer? No, because you just traded your deposits for a money market fund. And it's the same thing if you just traded your deposits for T-bills. Now, if Janet Yellen spends those T-bills back into the economy, which she most likely would because of the debt ceiling, then on net balance to wash. But if she takes those T-bills and then gives them to the Fed to pay off debt that's maturing or gives them to a bank that has maturing debt or maybe a foreigner, then what has happened is M2 money supply has gone down. But are you any poorer? No, because you just traded your deposits for a treasury. The asset side of your balance sheet is the same. Where we run into problems is when you start to see loans and leases go down. Because what this implies is that those people aren't trading their deposits for another asset. They're trading those deposits to pay down debt. And that debt isn't being replenished by the banking system. That's why you see the currency units go down. There, there can be kind of benign reasons for M2 or M1 to go down. And there can be disastrous reasons. And uh, if loans and leases are following the same course, then that's disaster. If they're not, then there's some wiggle room in there as to it, it may be being more benign over the short run. And that's key. So let's get into loans, leases here. And here's the good news. So back in March, we came down and this is what I was really getting worried about is that loans and leases, the amount of lending banks were doing was decreasing with M1, which would tell us most likely the asset side of the aggregate balance sheet is shrinking. Therefore, purchasing power going down. That That's the bad kind <laughs> of decline. So now we see it tick up slightly. So why is this good news? Well, also though, I've got to keep in, boy guys, I'm doing this on the fly and I may be incorrect. I'm sorry, I was trying to give you some good news here. Well, the good news is that loans and leases went up, but this looks like it's more real-time data. And the M1 is lagging by about a month. So if we look at that decline in M1 that we just saw, that was for the month of March. And that would correspond to a decline in loans and leases. That would be the no bueno kind. So we'll have to see what happens now that we can see real-time data that loans and leases have ticked up. We'll have to pay very close attention to what M1 does in April. And we're going to get that number next month. I sure wish they they gave us these numbers at the same time, but unfortunately they don't. So one we're getting in real time, one we're looking through the rear view mirror and we're having to match up with uh on this chart, this this down uh, this uh blue line that's headed down here. I guess the main takeaway is the decrease in M1 was a result of loans and leases going down. That is bad. That is where we're headed for Great Depression 2.0. But in the real-time data, we've got a ray of sunshine there where it looks like they might be going up, which if we see a further decline in M1 when the next numbers come out next month, that will give us kind of a, a, a sigh of relief 
because it would imply that the decline isn't a result of people's assets going down. It's just a result of them trading those deposits for T-bills or for a money market fund that they're putting in reverse repo. Let's get back to the title of this. How will we know that this is turning into a great depression is when you see this chart as far as heading down. So let's just put up the one year. That is ugly. <laughs> Holy cow. That is an ugly chart right there. Yikes. So when we see this M1 chart, or better said, when we see the loans and leases uh, look like this M1 chart, that's when we know we are headed straight in that direction. Th then it's all a result of what the central planners do. Do they come out and do more stimulus checks? Do they do more PPP? Who knows? I think that's the highest probability. The unfortunate thing there is that may prevent us from going into a deflationary depression, but that will not prevent us from going into an economic depression that is inflationary. It's People have to remember that you can go into a recession or a depression that is not deflationary. It can be inflationary. It can be both. It can start off deflationary and then end with inflation. And I think that's probably the more likely scenario. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. See you in the next video.